I'm available 24-7 to, to help solve issues. Right. I call me 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I don't care. The, the way that uh, I usually describe myself is uh, an engineer, because uh, that's mostly what I, I, most of what I do is engineering. Um, so I spend most of the week with my uh, engineering and design team uh, working on the, the, you know, the current car and, and future cars and the rockets and spacecraft and that kind of thing. You know, when I was a kid, I, I didn't really have any grand designs. I mean, the, the reason I started programming computers is because I like computer games. Um, and I play lots of computer games, and um, I learned that if I wrote software and sold it, then I could get more money and buy better computers. So it wasn't really, you know, with some grand vision or anything. Um, when I was growing up, I'd, I'd read lots of books, and uh, they were very often set in the United States, and it seemed like a lot of new technology was being developed in the United States. So I, I thought, okay, I really want to work on new technology, so I want to get to Silicon Valley. I tried at first to convince my parents to move to the U.S., but uh, neither of them would move. They were divorced, and uh, and so eventually I was able to get my Canadian citizenship because my mom had been born in Canada. So I moved first to uh, Canada by myself when I was 17, and then a few years later I moved to the U.S. The reason I, I came out to Stanford was actually to work on uh, energy storage technologies for electric cars. That, that summer of '95. I was looking at the, the the internet, and it seemed to me like the internet was going to have a big effect on humanity. So I, I thought, well, I can either work on electric vehicle technology and do my PhD at Stanford um, and watch the internet get built, or I could put my studies on hold and try to be part of the internet. And at first, I tried to get a job at Netscape because that was the only internet company, um, and they didn't respond to me. So, and I was like, okay, um, if I can't get a job at the only internet company, then I better try starting something. Um, but I talked to my professor and I said, look, I'm going to try starting a company. It's probably not going to succeed. Uh, and if it doesn't succeed, can I come back? He said, sure, no problem. Um, and so I put my studies on hold and uh, started the company. Did some internet stuff, one of which was PayPal. I think maybe it's helpful to say one of the things that was important then in the creation of PayPal was, uh, was, was kind of how it started because initially the, the initial thought was with PayPal was to create an agglomeration of financial services so, so if you have one place where all your financial services needs would be seamlessly integrated and, um, and, and, and work smoothly and then we had like a little feature which was to do email payments um, and whenever we show the, show the system off to someone uh, we'd show the hard part, which was the, um, the agglomeration of financial services, which was quite difficult to, to put together. Nobody was interested. Then we'd show people email payments, which was actually quite easy, and everybody was interested. I think it's important to, to, to take feedback from your environment. You want to be as closed loop as possible. We focused on email payments and really try to make that work, and, and that's what really got things to take off. Um, but but if, we hadn't, if we hadn't responded to what people said, then we, we, we probably would not have been successful. Going from PayPal, I thought, well, what are some of the, the, the other problems that uh, are likely to most affect the, the future of humanity? Um, it really wasn't from the perspective of what, what's the rank-ordered best way to, to make money, um, which, which, is, which is okay, but it, it was really what I think is going to most affect the future of humanity. So the, 
I think the biggest terrestrial problem we've got is sustainable energy, but the production and consumption of energy in a sustainable manner. If we don't solve that this century, this century we're in deep trouble. And then the other one being the extension of life beyond Earth to make life multiplanetary. So the latter is the basis for SpaceX, and the former is the basis for Tesla and SolarCity. When I started SpaceX, um, I, it, it actually, it, initially, I thought that, well, there's, there's no way one could possibly start a rocket company. I, I wasn't that crazy. But, but then I thought, well, what is a way to um, increase NASA's budget? That was actually my initial goal. So I actually went to, I went to Russia three times to, to look at buying a refurbished ICBM. I can tell you it was very weird going there in, in 2000, late 2001, 2002 going to the Russian rocket forces and saying, I'd like to buy two of your biggest rockets, but you can keep the nuke. They thought I was crazy, but, but I did have money, so that was okay. Particularly if you're starting a company, you need to work super hard. So what, what does super hard mean? Well, when my brother and I were starting our first company, uh, in, instead of getting an apartment, we just rented a, a small office and we slept on the couch. And we, we showered at the, the YMCA and uh, we're, we're so hot up we had just one computer, so the, 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 the website was up during the day uh, and I was coding at night. Seven days a week, all the time. Briefly I had a girlfriend in that period and in order to be with me she had to sleep in the office. So work hard like every waking hour, that's, that's the, the thing I would, I would say. You do simple math, say like, okay if somebody else is working 50 hours and you're working 100, uh, you'll get twice as done as much done in the course of a year as the, as, uh, the other company. Work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in, you know, 80 hour, 80 to 100 hour weeks every week. And then that, that, that all those things improve the odds of success. If other people are putting in 40 hour work weeks and you're putting in 100 hour work weeks, then even if uh, you're doing the same thing, you know that. In, in one year you will achieve what they achieve. You, you, you will achieve in four months what it takes them a year to achieve. Then it's just you have to apply a lot of hours to actual working, actually working. So the, the way I generally do it is I'll be uh, working at SpaceX on Monday and then Monday night fly to Bay Area, uh, spend Tuesday and Wednesday at the Bay Area then at Tesla and then fly back on Wednesday night, spend Thursday and Friday at SpaceX. Um, in, in, in the last several months then I, I would fly back here on a Saturday um, and either spend Saturday and Sunday at Tesla uh, or spend Saturday at Tesla and Sunday at SpaceX. So seven days a week, sleeping in the factory, uh, worked every from the, I worked in the, worked in the paint shop, general assembly, body shop. You ever worry about yourself imploding? Like it's just yeah, too yeah. much? Absolutely. No one should put this many hours into work. This is not good. And people should not work this hard. I'm not they should not do this. This is too, it's very painful. Painful in what sense? It's because my it hurts my brain and my heart. This is not recommended for anyone. I just did it because if I didn't do it, then Tesla, good chance Tesla would die. I gave basically both SpaceX and Tesla from the beginning 
um, a probability of less than 10% of likely, likely to succeed. Uh, in the beginning, I wouldn't, actually wouldn't even let my friends invest because I don't want to lose their money. I thought it was like, you know, I'd rather lose my own money. We, we almost did die at SpaceX, actually. So we, I budgeted for, for three flights. Um, I mean, technically, I, I did have a plan where I, I had, a, had, this, had the money from PayPal. I had like about 180 million from PayPal. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll allocate half of that to SpaceX and Tesla and SolarCity. And um, that should be fine. I'll have 90 million. Like, it's just lots, you know. Uh, but, but then what happened is... Um, Things cost more and took longer than, than I thought, so I had a choice of either put the rest of the money in or the companies are going to die. Um, and it's like, so I, put, I ended up putting all the money in and, and borrowing money for rent from France. If you want to try to come up with an innovative breakthrough, um, that's, kind of, that's going to be how it is. A anything which is significantly innovative is going to come with a significant risk of failure. You've got to take big chances in order for the potential for a big positive outcome. If the outcome is exciting enough, then, then taking a big risk is worthwhile. It's really our approach. But, but then once executing down a path, I actually do my absolute best to reduce uh, risk, you know, because, or, or to improve the, another way of saying it, to improve the probability of success, because uh, when you're trying to do something that is very, um, very risky, uh, that you, ha you, you have to spend a lot of effort trying to reduce that risk as you embark down that path. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of constitutionally just geared to, to just keep going. I don't know. Um, it's, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it certainly it, there are times when things don't go well and then uh, that's quite dispiriting for sure um, and so then it's, it's difficult to proceed with the same level of enthusiasm but I do think like I do think the things that we're doing are, are you know pretty important to the future um, and if we don't succeed then you know there's well there's, there's not it's not clear what other things would succeed um, and if, if we don't succeed, then we'll be certainly pointed to as a reason why people shouldn't even try for these things. So uh, I think it's important that we do whatever is necessary to keep going. So how do you keep your focus on the big picture when you're constantly faced with, we could be out of business in a month? Well, it's, it's just a very small percentage of mental energies on the, on the big picture. Like, you know, you know, you know where you're generally head, heading for? And the, the actual path is going to be some sort of zigzaggy thing in that direction. Um, you try not to deviate too far from the path that, that, that you want to be on, but you're going to have to do that to some degree. One of the most difficult choices I've ever faced uh, in life was, was in 2008. Um, I think I had uh, maybe $30 million left, or $30 or $40 million left in 2008. I had two choices put it all into one company, and then the other company would definitely die, um, or split it between the two companies. And if I split it between the two companies, then both might die. Um, and you know, when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into creating something, building something, it's like a child. It's like, which one am I gonna let one starve to death? I couldn't bring myself to do it, so I, put, I, I split the money between the two. 
If you're loving this episode, please leave a review and comments down below. Fortunately, thank goodness, uh, they both came through. Was there any great failure that you think you have had? Well, I certainly have lost many battles. Uh, so far, I've not lost a war, but I've certainly lost many battles. Oh, yeah, more than I can count, probably. Um, I mean, we had many... Uh, at Tesla, we came many times close to bankruptcy. Um, in fact, at the end of 2008, we were only a few days from bankruptcy. It was literally two days, three days, maybe. I was curious in general, what do you think of the Silicon Valley mantra, fail fast, fail often, or as Esther Dyson says, always make new mistakes, as, as if failure is the crucible of learning. I'm curious if you had any further thoughts on that, and that maybe off-the-cuff comment you made out there. Uh, well, I mean, there are, there are many that sort of, I mean, I think it's sort of, there's like some entropic basis for this, like there are many more ways to fail than to succeed. So, you, I mean, you have to explore, I mean, particularly like for a rocket, there's like a thousand ways a thing can fail, and like one way it can work. So uh, you, could, you could have a lot of rocket failures to explore all the ways in which you can fail. Um, so, but, but I do think that one great thing about Silicon Valley is that failure is not a, not a big stigma. So it's like if you, if you try hard and it doesn't work out, uh, that's okay. Like you can um, learn from that and you know, do another company and it's not a big deal. I mean, it, I think it's, it's like quite, quite painful and difficult, honestly. Um, <laughs> and it's, it feels terrible. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the company is sort of looking to you know me to you know rally them, and so I do. Um, but I honestly feel super bad. Space is hard, and rockets tend to fail, unfortunately. Um, and uh, even when you've got like a lot of really smart people working super hard to minimize the probability of failure, it's still it's still there, and it's um, and it's you know it's it's quite significant. You know, and people have asked me like, well, why why are rockets you know especially hard? Um, and and the, the, you know part of it is like everything has to work the, the first time. Like there's there's no you can't do a recall, you can't patch it. It's got it's like nine minutes to orbit or it's over. That mindset that embraces failure. How do you personally? I mean, th it, it, that, those kinds of failures would drive a lot of us in this room nuts. But it doesn't seem to drive you nuts seems like you're very comfortable with it. Can you talk about the mindset that requires for you to be that accepting of that kind of failure? Well, I, I think of the, there's a certain amount of time, and within that time, you want the, the, the best net outcome. So for you know, all the set of actions that you can do, there's going to be uh, some of which will fail, some of which will succeed, and you want the, the the, the net useful output of your set of actions to be the highest. So, if you use like a, a baseball analogy, like, you know, at baseball, they don't let you just sit there and wait for the perfect pitch until you get a real easy one. They even give you three shots. And the third one, they say, okay, and they get off the, they go back to the, put somebody else up there. Um, so, you three strikes on, on baseball. So, so what, you're, what you're really looking for is like, what's the batting average? You know, how, how you doing on on score? Um, and and just, it, there's going to be some amount of failure, but you you want your net output 
that useful output to be maximized. Failure is essentially irrelevant unless it is catastrophic. For SpaceX, first three launches failed, and uh, we, we actually were just barely able to scrape together enough parts and, and money to do the, the fourth launch. If that fourth launch had failed, we would have been dead. So multiple failures along the way. Um, I, I tried very hard to, to get the right expertise in for, for SpaceX. I tried hard to, to find a great uh, chief engineer for the rocket, but it, not, the good chief engineers wouldn't join, and the bad ones, well, there was no, no point in hiring them. So I ended up being chief engineer of the rocket. Um, so if I could have found something better, then we would have maybe had less than three failures. How do you think about making a decision when everyone tells you this is a crazy idea? Where do you get the internal strength to do that? Well, first of all, I'd say I actually think I, I, think I fear, feel fear quite strongly. Um, so it's not as though I just have the absence of fear. I, I feel it quite strongly. Um, but there are just times when something is important enough, you believe in it enough, that you, you do it in spite of fear. There are people who've been in the rocketry business for decades yeah. who say about you that you don't know what you don't know. Well, I, I suppose that's true of anyone. How can anyone know what they don't know? <laughs> but when uh, critics say you can't do this, your answer to them is, we've done it. You know, there are American heroes who don't like this idea. Neil Armstrong, Gene Cernan have both testified against commercial spaceflight in the way that you're developing it, and I wonder what you think of that. I was very sad to see that, uh, because those guys are, yeah. You know, th those guys are heroes of mine, so it's really tough. You know, I, I wish they would come and visit and, and see the hardware that we're doing here. And, and I think that would change their mind. They inspired you to do this, didn't they? Yes and to see them casting stones in your direction. It's difficult. Did you expect them to cheer you on? So they're hoping they would. What are you trying to prove to them? What I'm trying to do is, is to make a, a significant difference in, in spaceflight and, and, and help make spaceflight accessible to, to almost anyone. So many people tried to talk me out of starting a ride company, it was, it was crazy. What did they tell you? One good friend of mine collected a whole series of, of uh, videos of rockets blowing up and made me watch those. He just didn't want me to lose all my money. We're doing these things that uh, seem unlikely to succeed and we've been fortunate and at least thus far they have succeeded. Generally, starting a business, I'd say Number one is have a high pain threshold. <laughs> That's it. Um, there's a friend of mine who's got a good saying, which is that starting a company is like eating glass and staring into the abyss. Okay, that's, um, that's generally what happens. Because um, when you first start a company, there's lots of optimism and things, things are great. And then, so happiness at first is high. Then you encounter all sorts of issues uh, and happiness will steadily decline. And then you'll go through a whole world of hurt. And then eventually, You'll, if you succeed, and in most cases you will not succeed, and, and Tesla almost didn't succeed, came very close to failure, um, then if, if you succeed, then after a long time, you will finally get back to happiness. Frankly, starting a company 
I would advise people to have a high pain tolerance. It is definitely true that, I mean, maybe there are occasionally companies that get created where where there's not an extended period of extreme pain, um, but but I'm not aware of you know very many of such instances. But I, I do think that uh, the you know new great entrepreneurs are, are born every day, um, and we'll continue to see amazing companies get built. But I, I would uh, definitely advise people who are starting a company to expect a, a, a long period of quite high difficulty. It's really not that fun. I mean, there are periods of fun, and there are, there are periods of where it's, where it's just awful. Um, and particularly if you're the CEO of the company, um, you actually have a distillation of all the worst problems in the company. Um, there's no point in spending your time on things that are going right. So you only spend on things on your time on things that are going wrong. And, and there are things that are going wrong that other people can't, can't take care of. So you're like the worst. You have a filter for the crappiest problems in the company. <laughs> the most pernicious and painful problem. I think you have to feel quite compelled to do it and have a, a fairly high pain threshold. I mean, as long as people stay super focused on creating the absolute best product or service that really delights their end customer, like if they stay focused on that, then basically if, if, if you get it such that your customers want you to succeed, mm. then, then you probably will. If your customers love you, you will, your odds of success are dramatically higher. For, for somebody who's just starting out as an entrepreneur, um, I think the internet is, is, a, is a great place to start. Um, because if you're just starting out, unless you've got a ton of capital that, that you, somebody gave you or you inherited or something, you have to do some. You have to start a company that requires a, a small amount of capital, where it's heavily weighted towards the intellectual capital in your head. Um, so I think anything to do with, with sort of software and uh, with you know with the internet uh, is, is is a really good starting point. You know, it, it, would, it would have been impossible for me to, to have done electric cars or rockets. You know right from the start because I would have those require money to get anything done. Being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else um, and just being really rigorous in making that assessment um, mm -hmm. because people are, tend, tend to, a natural human tendency is wishful thinking. Um, mm -hmm. So a, a challenge for entrepreneurs is to say well what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking, sticking to them versus pursuing some unrealistic dream that right. doesn't actually have merit. And it's, it's, that, is a, it, that is a really difficult thing to, to tell you. Can you tell the difference between those two things? Right. You know? So you need to be sort of very rigorous um, in, in your self-analysis. Uh, self successful entrepreneurs probably come in all sizes, shapes, and flavors. An obsessive uh, nature with respect to the quality of the product um, is very important. But even if you're, if you're the best of the best, there's always a chance of failure. So I think it's important that you really like whatever you're doing. Uh, if, if you don't like it, life is too short. If you like what you're doing, you think about it even when you're not working. I mean, you're, it'll just, it, it's, it's something that your mind is drawn to. Um, and, and if you don't like it, you just really can't make it work, I think. If you're creating a company or if you're joining a company, uh, the most important thing is to uh, is to attract great people. So either be with, join a group that's amazing that you really respect, or if, you, if you're building a company, you've got to gather great people. I mean, all a company is is a group of people that have gathered together to create a product or service. And so, depending upon how talented and hardworking that group is, and the degree to which they're focused uh, cohesively in, in a good direction, that will determine the success of the company.
So do everything you can to, to gather great people uh, if, if you're creating a company. Then I'd say focus on, on signal over noise. Uh, a lot of companies get, get confused. They, they spend money on things that don't actually make the product better. So, for example, at, at Tesla, we've, we've never spent any money on advertising. Uh, we, we put all of the money into R&D and, and manufacturing and design to try to make the car as good as possible. And uh, I, I think that's, that, that's the way to go. So for, for any given company, just can, can keep thinking about are these efforts that people are, are expending, are they resulting in a better product or service? And if they're not, stop those efforts. Don't just follow the trend. So um, you may have heard me say to, to, that it's good to think in terms of the physics approach of first principles, uh, which is, rather than reasoning by analogy, you boil things down to the most fundamental truths you can imagine and you reason up from there. And this is a good way to figure out if, if, if something really makes sense or if it's just what everybody else is doing. And it, it, it's hard to think that way. You can't think, think that way about everything. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, but if you're trying to do something new, it's the best way to think. Um, and that framework was developed by, by physicists to figure out counterintuitive things um, like quantum mechanics. So it's really a powerful, powerful method. I think that the final thing I would encourage you to do is now is the time to take risk. You don't have kids. As you get older, your obligations increase. So you, the, and once you have a family, you start taking risk not just for yourself, but for your family as well. It gets much harder to uh, do things that might not work out. Um, so now is the time to do that uh, before, you, before you have those obligations. So I would, I would encourage you to take risks now. Do something bold. Um, you won't regret it. I think when I was, I don't know, five or six or something, I thought I was insane. It was just strange. Because it was clear that other people did not, their mind wasn't exploding with ideas. It was like, hmm, and strange. I don't think, I don't think you'd necessarily want to be me. It's very hard to turn it off. It's like a never-ending explosion. All the time. When I was a kid, I was wondering, kind of, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's it all about? I came to the conclusion that what really matters is trying to understand the right questions to ask. The more that we can increase the scope and scale of human consciousness, the better we are able to ask these questions. There are certain things that are necessary to ensure that the future is good. Some of those things are, in the long term, having long-term sustainable transport and sustainable energy generation, be a space-bearing civilization, and for humanity to be out there among the stars, and be a multi-planetary species. Being a multi-planetary species and being out there among the stars is important for the long-term survival of humanity. The part that I find personally most motivating is that it creates a sense of adventure and it makes people excited about the future. How many things can you buy that you really love, that 
really give you joy. So rare, so rare. I wish there were more things. That's what we're trying to do, just make things that somebody loves. The universe as we know it will dissipate into a fine mist of cold nothingness eventually. I don't want to sound like, like things are too dark because I think like you, you kind of have to be optimistic about the future. There's no point in being pessimistic. Like, what are the th set of things that can be done to make the future better? I think that a future where we are a spacefaring civilization and out there among the stars, this is very exciting. This makes me look forward to the future. This makes me want that future. There need to be things that make you look forward to waking up in the morning. You wake up in the morning, you look forward to the day, look forward to the future. That second version is incredibly exciting and inspiring. You know, life can't just be about solving problems. Otherwise, what's the point? There's got to be things that people find inspiring uh, and make life worth living. In a future where we are a space-faring civilization and out there among the stars, I think that's very exciting. That is a thing we want. Whereas if, if you knew we would not be a space-faring civilization but forever confined to Earth, this would not be a good future. That would be very sad, I think. If there are two futures, and one future is we're out there among the stars, and the things we read about and see in science fiction movies, the good ones, are true. We have these starships, and we're, we're going to see what other planets are like. And we're a multi-planet species, and the scope and scale of consciousness has expanded across many civilizations and many planets and many star systems. This is a great future. This is a wonderful thing to me, and that's what we should strive for.